0: But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of of the Most High, the Lord of God. The Lord of God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be, born, will be born, to be born will be called the Son of God. Sorry, I'm stumbling with my words today. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her.
1: Thank you so much, Layla. Why don't we pray as we begin. Father, thank you for this scripture, this account of the announcement, commonly called the Annunciation, to Mary, this young virgin maiden, possibly 14, 15 years of age, hearing this Incredible news that she would bring into this world, the Son of God, a Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. And we just ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to give us insight as we look at that passage together this morning. Open our eyes and our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk for a few minutes this morning on the simple fact that God has a plan. God has a plan. Do you ever struggle to believe that in your life? Are things perhaps not going as you hoped or as you planned, as you expected? Your prayers not getting answered the way you'd hope that they would be? It's tempting in those situations, those circumstances, to think that God doesn't see us, isn't it? That He has no plan, that it's just chaos in our lives, and out there in the world. Well, at this time of year, in Advent, we are reminded of this simple fact that God has a plan. In Advent, we watch. We wait. We remember the first coming of Jesus Christ, which had been planned, which had been prophesied. But more than that, in this season of Advent, we also look towards the second coming of Jesus, which is also planned, which has also been prophesied. It's actually the most prophesied event in the whole Bible, the second coming of Jesus. We don't know when, but as surely as he came the first time, we know that Jesus is coming back again. And when he does, he will establish his kingdom on earth for all eternity because God has a plan and the first plan was crazy let's be honest about it right I mean to come into this world in the person of a baby are you joking it's crazy isn't it I mean yes there is the joy and wonder of a baby silently as she sleeps behind that pillar over there my daughter there is wonder there is joy But can we also admit that babies are amongst the most useless things in all creation? Am I right? I mean, they cannot do anything for themselves. But that's part of their joy, part of their beauty, isn't it? They are so dependent. They are so weak. This little one over here, she is a a complete sleep terrorist. I mean, she seems to be a vampire. I mean, she she exists at night. When the sun goes down, she comes uh, to life. And then she feeds on her mother and draws life from her. She is a vampire. She is a, a food demander constantly when she's not sleeping. She is a mess creator. And yet God's plan for the world was to come as one of them. It's one of us, to come as a baby. In verse 26, we see that God sent Gabriel. God sent Gabriel, the angel. What does it tell us that God sent an angel? Well, it tells us for sure that God has a plan. That God is pulling the strings, that he is making moves, that he's commander-in-chief, seated on his throne in heaven, that he is king, and that he's got a plan. And he sends angels, including Gabriel here, to fulfill his bidding. Verse 28 says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. God sees us, guys. He sees you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, He watches over the entirety of His creation. He knows what we're up to. And He sees those whose hearts are fully for Him and those who are indifferent. The angel said to Mary, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Lord saw Mary. He called her highly favored, said he was with her. This engagement shows us that God makes choices. He chooses and he chose Mary because God's got a plan. And the whole account that we've just heard read is about this simple truth. And that fact is brought out through the meeting of these two individuals who've never met before, Mary and the angel Gabriel. One of whom knows about this plan, Gabriel, and the other one who knows nothing about it, Mary. So her response, right, is completely understandable. If we could look at verse 29, Lagoon. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Who here likes surprises in life? Anyone? Birthday surprises, holiday surprises, that sort of thing. Raise your hand high in the air. Surprises. Who here likes to know what's coming up, likes to know the plan? I'm just encouraging you. I don't know where I stand. I'm too tired. I don't know what's going on. Okay, so we're a bit of a mixed bunch. It would appear that Mary is in the latter category. She likes to know the plan, or at least when it involves her bringing forth a child from her body, she'd like a few further details, right? And that's fair enough, because at this point, she doesn't have the data. So Gabriel fills in some blanks for her. He tells her a bit about that plan in verse 30. The reading says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth. To a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So Gabriel basically tells her God's plan, it's no biggie, Mary, don't worry about it, but his plan is that you will give birth to the Son of God and that he will be king of the world forever. Isn't that quite a big deal? Quite overwhelming for a young, possibly 14-year-old woman. No biggie then. What a revelation to get, for Mary to get. What craziness to hear of this plan, to be taking it on. As I've said, age 14 or so. Doesn't it make you glad that God doesn't always tell you all in one go what's going to come about in your life? what you're going to face, where he's going to take you, how he's going to use you. Amen? I think if he told me exactly what he was going to do in my life, if he told me when I was 14 years of age, I'd have felt slightly overwhelmed. What he does is kind of the opposite with Mary. Mary gets in on the inside track with regards to God's plan. But she's still a little bit confused. So she asks... A clarifying question. Verse 34, if we could have that lag. She asks, How will this be? Mary asks the angel, Since I am a virgin. I mean, it's fair enough, isn't it? I mean, she's like, Look, I don't need to know all the details, but I'd love to know some of the mechanics. As far as I'm aware, I've done the birds and the bees, at least, Mum and Dad did that with me. I know how this happens, but I'm a virgin. Just talk me through the process. She asked that question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, alarm bells should be ringing in our ears. If, you've, if you know Luke's gospel, and if you were paying attention in, in last week's sermon, as Jonathan spoke about John the Baptist, we know that uh, there'd been a similar account just 16 verses earlier than that very verse, where the same angel, Gabriel, appeared to Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, and told him, that he and his wife Elizabeth were also going to have a child. That they were going to conceive in their old age. Which is a big enough miracle in itself. And Zechariah, well, he responded in a similar way to Mary. We should be seeing the similarities. And he asked a similar question to Gabriel. He said, "It says Zechariah asked the angel in verse 18, 16 verses earlier, He asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Mary says, How will this be? Zechariah asks, How can I be sure of this? And the response to Zechariah is, if you know your Bible, that it didn't go well for him. He got a major ticking off from Gabriel, didn't he? He said, I stand in the presence of God. I'm here to declare to you what's going to come about. I'm bringing you the word of God. And basically, you don't believe a word of it. So he gets struck dumb. And he remains dumb until the birth of his son, John the Baptist, some months before Jesus. And here we have Mary asking a very similar question, "No, How will this be? But she gets a very different response. She gets her question answered. She gets further information and data about God's plan for her life and for the world. About how it will all happen. Gabriel answers Mary saying, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth. So he he mentions this previous encounter. He says, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Those last words are the key to understanding the difference between the response to Zechariah's question that he asked Gabriel and Mary's question that she asked Gabriel. No word from God will ever fail. What's the difference between Zechariah and Mary's responses? Zechariah doubted that word and asked for proof. Mary believed that word and asked about the process. Zechariah doubted and asked for proof. Mary believed and asked about the process. She basically said, yeah, I believe this. I can get on board with this plan. But how's it going to happen since I'm a virgin? What are the mechanics? You see, guys, God rewards and he responds to faith but he resists skepticism and doubt let me ask you how are you doing on that front are you believing the word of God at face value are you believing God's word about something in your own life something you believe he's spoken to you about in particular Are you believing God's word about his plans yet to come in this season of Advent? Are you believing his word about Jesus coming again in glory to judge the world and to reward those who've been faithful to him and judge those who haven't? Are you responding with the faith of Mary? Or has doubt and skepticism crept into your heart as it is so easy to do, especially in the age and the culture we live in. I think that perhaps helps explain the census stats that we've seen come out this, this last week or the week before recently. Have you seen those? That says for the first time Britain, our nation, is a minority Christian country The statistics have dropped below 50% for those who would tick that box. I know a lot of people just tick that box anyway. And we're like, well, where were you at church? But anyway, uh, it's always been above 50% 50 who say, I'm Christian. It's dropped below that mark for the first time. Just 47%, I believe, just now, who call themselves Christian. Because it's hard work, isn't it? Believing this stuff. And you'll find it when you go and present the gospel, when you go and try and share your faith with your friends, it's kind of hard work sometimes making the case to believe in an an invisible God, to believe in a God who would send angels to announce his plans to a virgin maiden who would be with child and bring that savior into the world who'd go to a cross and die for the sins of the world but then rise again to new life. And is now alive and forevermore sits at the right hand of God Almighty in heaven. It's crazy, isn't it? Are you with me? On many fronts, it seems unreasonable. It seems unbelievable. It's hard work believing this stuff. It was no easier for Mary. And yet God's plan was that he would bring it all about through the baby she would bring into this world. This is the message of Advent, guys. This is the message of Christmas. And this is what each one of us is asked to believe and to accept. As crazy as it is to our ears. And as crazy as it must have been to Mary's. And let me be honest with you guys. If you're new to this faith game, looking into Christianity, it never gets less crazy. Does it, folks? Anyone else with me? Amen. It All gets crazier. The more you look into the faith, the more you walk this out and study what God has done and who he is, what he's like. It is incredible. It is full of wonder and mystery. And it's almost unbelievable. Which means there are only two responses. Doubt and skepticism, like Zechariah, where the culture and world is right now around us or faith and acceptance as modeled by Mary, who shows us the pathway to following God, the first follower of Jesus Christ as she was. I read something yesterday, some preacher who who said it's a wonderful thought to share with you. Amazing to think that the Savior, the Christ, Jesus, those early years of his life He he toddled along behind Mary, following her around the house, around the village, wherever she went. He toddled along following her. But then later in life, she became a follower of his, walking along behind him, following him, even to the cross, even to the tomb that they discovered empty. What a wonderful thought for us. This passage speaks of a God who has a plan, folks. But it also shows us a unique woman who says yes to God's plan. Because sometimes it's not enough that God has a plan, He's looking for partners, those who will say yes to that plan and partner with Him. And Mary says yes to God's plan verse 38 I am the Lord's servant Mary answered may your word to me be fulfilled then the angel left her Mary says yes to God's plan and we are all here today because of it this building stands here today in the heart of Notting Hill because of it and there are christians in this nation too even if only 47% of it <laughs> because of it she said yes to god's plan despite what it would mean for her think about it the suspicion over her pregnancy the shame that would have come on her as an unmarried woman luke tells her in ver- tells us in verse 27 it says that she was only pledged to be married to Joseph. She wasn't yet married to Joseph. She was only pledged at the point that she became pregnant with Jesus. What a risk to her reputation. What a cost in that culture especially to be pregnant outside of wedlock. How inconvenient I love Joe preached a few weeks back. He spoke about how inconvenient it often is following Jesus. Amen? Takes us out of our comfort zones. How inconvenient for Mary to be pregnant outside of wedlock. The shame she would have felt that would have come her way. And I've been on a steep learning curve about how inconvenient it can be having a baby. I'll be honest. I mean, I've had 43 years of life without one. And there's been a certain amount of freedom that comes with that, right? I mean, I've been greeting various family members and, you know, close friends who've come to the door or popped in to say hello over the last couple of weeks and just realizing how much has changed as they come in and say hi and then they freely leave. I mean, just the freedom to leave and where are you going? Like, I'm just going. We're going to go do some Christmas shopping. What? We're like, others, oh, we're just going to the pub, actually. going to have a pint. What? What's that like? I mean, everything changes. I don't know if we'll ever do those things again. There is a certain amount of inconvenience that comes with having a baby. The lack of sleep. The constant feeds. The nappy changes. The explosive nappies. I got up at 4.15 last night. I never used to get up at 4.15. Okay, occasionally went to bed at 4.15. You know, in a previous life. But I'd never get up at 4.15. Who does that? And I was up for two hours. I got up to change a nappy. It's part of you change the nappy, then you do the feed. Do the bad bit first, then the good news. You know, don't give her the choice. Nappy was off. Everything had been cleaned. About to go on. Everyone's a bit tired. Everyone's a bit dazed. And suddenly, honestly, an explosive noise that gave me a made me jump. And this torpedo came out. And sorry, too much detail, but came out. It hit the backboard of the changing table in the nursery and disappeared under the changing mat a bit of it. I was like, oh, gosh. At 4.15 in the morning. It's not ideal, is it? And this is what Mary was facing too. The added inconvenience of the expense of a child. I mean, everything they do costs money. I mean, other than just breathing, it's like, just keep breathing. That, at least, is affordable. <laughs> Everything else, just, I haven't even looked at it. The dollars are going out the door. All worth it, I know, but the expense. And then the burden. I don't know if you've noticed, but babies can't get very far by themselves. And they have to be carried everywhere. There's an inconvenience to bringing a child into this world. And Mary knew that, even more than that with the shame she would face. And yes, she said yes to God's plan with all that it would mean because she was willing to receive the inconvenience in order to release the blessing. The inconvenience of a baby who'd take her sleep for the blessing of a savior who came to give us rest the inconvenience of a baby who'd need constant feeding for the blessing of the bread of heaven who came to feed the world with himself. The inconvenience of constant messy nappy changes for the blessing of one who came to clean up our mess. The inconvenience of all the added expense. For the blessing of all heaven's riches, the inconvenience of the burden that he would be to know the blessing of one who came to carry all our burdens, the inconvenience of knowing temporary shame and suspicion over her pregnancy, for the blessing. Of knowing one who came to remove all our shame, both yours and mine. Mary said yes to God's plan, folks, and we are blessed because of it. May we also be those who say yes to God's plan too. Amen.